Today's episode was recorded on November the 10th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, breathing a sigh of relief. Caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played this past week or a couple of weeks. Low Marvel's Avengers sales drives $63 million loss at Square Enix. Kerbal Space Program 2 gets pushed back to 2022. And we will have a... Steam Discovery Queue. Actually, Community Corner, I didn't put that in there. If there's something in Community <laughs> Corner, we'll have that. Uh, and then we'll have wasn't. a Steam Discovery Queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. I'll fix it in post, but we all know I won't. Because you're a lazy bastard. Indeed. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? Uh, uh, I'm alright, I guess. <laughs> Hanging in there? Yeah. Same. I feel that. I resemble that remark, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been a week. It's, technically, it's been a two weeks because we did mm-hmm. Franken last week because of the U.S. election. Yeah, I think yeah, the we, world. Yeah, we did uh, to just you know be able to have like a mental health day on that one. Yep, but yeah, the the world I think collectively held its breath as uh, America uh, stood on for, the edge of for like what seventy two hours. Yeah, stood on the edge of of openly embracing fascism. Um, and it, we backed away from the brink. The tweeter in chief is, is trying to wrestle the election away legally, but most of his supporters are, uh, most of his powerful supporters, I should say, the ones that really make a difference seem to be, uh, dropping him like a hot fucking rock. Fox News had cut away from one of his speeches or one of his, um, I don't know what she is in his administration. A lady who was openly talking about voter fraud. And, and Fox News cut away from that. It was like, we can't in good conscience show you. They don't have any evidence. And it's like, wow. You know it's bad whatever Fox News is doing that, right? Yeah. And I kind of always expected this. I figured that if Biden won, that before, like by December we would have seen everyone back away from him and, and be saying things like, yeah, we never supported Trump. He held our party hostage, like stuff that's bullshit, but that, that the, um, you know, the, the people who aren't paying attention at all or who are sort of indoctrinated into that way of thinking could get, you know, could believe it and be like, sort yeah, of you're like, right. Uh, sort of like uh, Germany and like the mid 1940s. Yeah. You know, but I figured it would take until December, but no, it's, they're already. Rats from a sinking ship. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong, there's still plenty who are offering sort of some, you know, mealy mouth statements and things like that. But, I mean, quite a few prominent Republicans, as well as, you know, even Fox News at this point, have started to back away. Like, no, no, no. So, it's, it's over. I... I mean, he can still do shitloads of damage on the way out the door, but I think that this is over in terms of him actually having a real substantial chance to pull it off. So, Well, considering Mitch but McConnell is uh, still behind him. Mitch McConnell can suck my dick. Uh, Well, you got to be careful. You might be a snapping turtle. Eh, I like a little pain. Oh, my. But I'm, I've got my hopes set high 
on the Georgia, uh, both of their Senate uh, candidates are in runoff elections in January. So yeah, yeah it feels uh, weird that Georgia has a chance of flipping completely blue. Yeah, because it's the last time Georgia was blue was in '92, I think. They vote, yeah. they yeah went went blue for Clinton. So, but yeah, go Georgia. I'm I'm eyeing Georgia a little bit. Like, oh hey, maybe Georgia is not as bad as I thought. Because I kind of lumped Georgia into the same grouping of Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, Georgia, West Virginia, West Virginia. You know, I kind of lumped all those together. But if Georgia has got enough sense to get enough voters out to, you know, th- to vote for good politics, then maybe they're not so bad after all. I mean, it's mostly Atlanta, which makes sense. I mean, Atlanta is a huge city. Um, so it, it makes sense that they have the numbers in Atlanta to, to beat out the rest of the state. But the American electoral system is fucking stupid. Electoral college is a joke. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I should back away from this cliff before I, like, explode. So, so uh, Mike Pompeo saying transitioning. Oh, God in- damn it! God <laughs> damn it! Oh, you know I had to push you there. I had to. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm not gonna take your bait. I will masturbate, but I won't take that bait. Oh my! Oh my! Um, I mean, there's no good way to get us away from this. So, hey, Rage, let's. Huh? Do you want to talk about some game stuff? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about, you know, something from, like, the 1980s. Okay. Go yeah, for back, it. Uh, back when the GOP was slightly less crazy. Back in my day. Actually, kind of, yeah. So, I've... Uh, uh, I asked a, my girlfriend, Anita, you know, what she wanted for Christmas and gave her a few options. And one of them was something for both of us. And uh, the something for both of us was building another retro pie. Now, I built one two years ago for Jared, actually. Yay! It still works. It's been a good. It's been a very good, well used present. So, uh, when she said that, and with how things are going lately, with you know the chance of another lockdown and everything else, I thought, you know, maybe you should go ahead and build it a month early. So I built another RetroPie uh, system. This is based off actually the next upgrade from uh, the one I built two years ago. Uh, the Raspberry Pi 4, uh, which actually is quite a bit more powerful than the than the 3. I think it's something like 15 or 20% more powerful. Yeah. Uh, and I did a few changes. Uh, now, the Raspberry Pi 4 is still somewhat new. Uh, when I built the last one, it was towards the end of the Raspberry Pi 3's lifespan. So I had a lot of options <laughs> of uh, doing stuff. This time, not so much. Uh, the company I like using for their Raspberry Pi cases, Retroflag, they had a singular choice for a, uh, a Raspberry Pi 4 case. But it also came with the the power supply. It came with a good heat sink. It came with a fan. It actually has a drive bay on it. And it's modeled after an old school Nintendo Entertainment System. So why the hell not? Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, it was a bitch to put together. There's a lot of shit that they put, uh, packed into a, a, a very tiny case. So it's the retro or sorry, the retro flag. Uh, I should actually probably put a link in the show notes for it for anybody that's interested in these uh, things. The retro is essentially an emulation station. 
uh, it runs really up to a or what with the Retro Pi uh, or sorry uh, Raspberry Pi four. It runs up to PlayStation One era with some possibility of doing stuff like Dreamcast and PlayStation Two. So uh, I'll actually send you a link to this. It's the an NES Pi four case. It actually comes with a drive enclosure that's shaped like an old school NES cartridge. It's so nice. fucking cool. Uh, there, check that out. But it's also a lot tighter of a fit. So they changed some things around on the uh, uh, card itself. So there's like two daughter boards that you have to hook in, uh, things into uh, using up the different USB slots. And it is a tough, tough fit to get everything in. But it is a very clean looking system once you get it all put together. This is very cute. I like it. And the fact that the cartridge comes apart and you can put a uh, laptop drive in it. Yeah. Uh, it's so cool. So I've been configuring it. Now, the problem is whenever I built Jared's system, I made a backup file of uh, that uh, memory card. And it's been sitting on my hard drive for two years. I went to use it. And whenever I created the file, I did not set the proper hash for it. So completely useless file. I've had to build from scratch the entire library. Thankfully, I was neglect- uh, neglecting to clean up some old files, so I still had the ROM libraries for the most part, so it was more just drag and dump things onto the card. But a lot of it was just, you know, figuring out, you know, okay, now how the hell did I do this again? Yeah. Uh, trying to think, uh, I've been playing a little bit of Spyro on it uh, uh, in the PS1 era. Ani and I played uh, some Super Mario 3. Oh, and I actually went all out and I got a pair of wireless controllers as well. Um, slowly loading up the Game Boy Advance titles because the library, uh, I didn't have the right one and it just, it was missing a lot of shit. So I just wiped the entire thing and I'm just going through piece by piece. I actually found a complete library on archive.org. Uh, somebody uploaded all the Game Boy Advance ROMs, so slowly cleaning that out and uh, adding those. And it's actually not that hard to build one of these. If you're interested in building a uh, Raspberry Pi uh, retro uh, system, uh, entry price is probably about 90 to 100 bucks. Yeah, about the same as uh, yeah, uh, what the DS was. Uh, the Raspberry Pi 4 itself is, uh, depending on the reseller you get, <clears throat> sorry, because right now all the official sellers are either in low stock or they have just an obscene uh, shipping cost right now because, you know, COVID. Right. Or at least all the ones I tried. So it was about 40, 45 bucks for a Raspberry Pi 4 with uh, two gigs of RAM. Which is uh, the middle model. There's one that's one gig and one that's uh, eight gigs. Or sorry, that's four gigs. Sorry. So I went with the middle model. Uh, A pair of cheap wired controllers that I went with a pair that matched the system. Because you need at least one wired controller in order to set up everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Otherwise, you know, you can't uh, access the Bluetooth without going into the system. So uh, a pair of cheap uh, NES looking controllers for like 10 bucks case itself i think it was 40 uh yeah 40 uh, and that comes with everything else that you need to get going and then you just need a memory card which depending on how crazy you want to get 
If I recall correctly, I think yours is 32 gig, which is what, like 15 bucks these days? Yeah, if that. Yeah, see, I went a little bit more crazy on this one because I do, Anita wanted to do uh, uh, some PlayStation stuff. And PlayStation ROMs, uh, okay, uh, one thing that you could do with old uh, older ROMs is you could compress them into uh, just uh, 7-zip files. And the games are small enough that they can be unzipped and held into memory and played. But then they'll just be recompiled whenever the game's done. Can't do that with a, a PlayStation game. So you have to have the uncompre- uncompressed bin and queue files. So that gets rather large rather quickly. So I went with a 120 gig uh, memory card. Nice. Which is still not that expensive. It was 30 bucks. Like, but for like NES era, you know, smaller stuff. You know, I, oh, sorry. I, I went with, sorry. I went 256. I went, I had a deal on that one, which is still 30 bucks. Sorry. I, yeah, you can get re- really big SD cards and SSDs for not a lot of money. Especially for something like this, where most of the files are going to be much smaller because they're older. Yeah, I mean, honestly, getting a 32 gig uh, card is plenty for up to, like, the, uh, I would say the PlayStation era. You could probably put uh, everything you want onto it, and then some. Or uh, a lot of these cases have it where you have access to the memory card without taking things apart. So you can get multiple memory cards, and... Uh, the one, uh, the case that you have, the, uh, uh, it's shaped like a SNES and the drive bay, uh, in the top is an SD storage slot. The NES, you know how they had that little, uh, connector on the bottom of the NES that they never used? Yeah. Well, the door is there and that's the SD storage slot this time around. It's on the bottom. Oh, nice. And it's so cute. <laughs> and it has a tool. So that uh, whatever you have the, a drive in, uh, the connectors could get a little tight. And it has a mm-hmm. notch on the, uh, uh, on the uh, door for the SD storage slot to use as a lever to be able to try to, to get a little bit more leverage on the cartridge if you need it. A lot of thought went into this uh, 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 case. I'm actually really impressed with it. Even though, like I said, it was a bit of a pain to put together because... Uh, they they made it as small as they could, to the point that uh, the uh, power supply board on the front. There, there's like two daughter boards. There's one that's uh, handles the power supply, and it also handles uh, uh, the signal for the smart sh- uh, shutdown script. Uh, all the retro flag uh, cases have it that you could download a script, and uh, it's just a small program that runs in the background. And it watches for a particular uh, I/O uh, input on uh, the uh, on the case, or, or sorry, on the on the inputs of the Raspberry Pi. And when it sees it, it initiates the shutdown command uh, in game or on the system, so it shuts down properly, and you don't have to worry about uh, going through a bunch of menus. I did it for uh, yours because I knew you had a kid, and I did it for mine because. I knew Anita would be nervous about it otherwise. And it was just a little bit of peace of mind. And I really liked the, the retro flag uh, cases as well. So there's that. There's uh, uh, And there's another daughter board that it connects to the top half. It's, you know, how the NES puts together uh, to, uh, bottom half of the top half. 
and that is connecting into the drive bay that the cartridge fits into. And it's just a, a way to be able to handle it without it being a singular uh, uh, USB port. It's uh, uh, Or it's connecting to something else as well. I'm not actually 100% sure what the second daughter board is doing outside of that. Uh, but the way it's put together, it's like blocking off one USB port. So it tells you very specific what ports to plug what into. Because there's only so much room and so much cabling that they give you. So yeah. I, so I didn't care for that much, but and it is a very very tight fit. And with my big fat sausage like fingers, uh, there was a bit of cussing, there was a little bit of uh, prying and uh, getting things uh, trying to get uh, in. Uh, but once things aligned up and uh, was screwed into place, uh, everything was rock solid. Uh, probably a couple pairs of forceps would uh, be very good if you plan on putting more than one of these together. Really, because whew. yeah. Uh, It'll be good though. I'm looking forward to you know whenever you put it together and you guys actually get to enjoy it. What you well, think of the experience? Well, I've uh, well remember I've played a shit ton of years uh, testing and uh, setting up everything, so uh, I have a fair amount of experience. We've uh, like I said, I played probably a couple hours of Spiral already. Um, going through that uh, Game Boy Advance library, I've also loaded up a bunch of stuff uh, on PlayStation. I can't uh, be as yeah, cautioned to the wind on the PlayStation stuff because it starts to rack up a lot of drive space very quickly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I got Final Fantasy Tactics on there that I just had around from Game Club that I used as a test file. More just to see, one, does the PlayStation emulator boot and does it actually you know, run at decent frame rates? Uh, Adita wanted Final Fantasy Seven, so I surprised her and got uh, all the discs going on that. Um, I uh, got Xena Gears, uh, got Tekken 3. Yeah, basically going through and like picking up the highlights. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun just putting it together, really. And it's pretty simple to get the halls onto it once you get everything set up there. You can set up an FTP manage, uh, uh, server on it. Then once the system's running, you could just, hell, I put games on it from my phone. Just download a, a ROM and just, FTP into it and uh, uh, connect to it and just send it over. And then on the next reboot, it's up and running. Yeah. Yeah. What's uh, going to be interesting is when the niece comes over tomorrow. Because, uh, okay. Uh, Adita's brother-in-law is, oh, what's the nice way to put it? Oh, yeah, an idiot. Uh, he bought a Nintendo Classic and then threw a fit because it didn't have a particular game he wanted on it. Never mind the fact that he didn't you know, bother to read the game list or anything. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, it's, yeah, hasn't used it really since from everything I've heard. And mine already has the entire Nintendo library, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I imagine that's going to get back to him. <laughs> and it's just... <laughs> Uh, I mean, it already kicks his uh, ass because, you know, it's the entire Nintendo library. Let's see, I put Nintendo, uh, SNES, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, which it treats it as two separate systems. Working on Game Boy Advanced, it runs uh, some PlayStation games. It's just, you know, it's quite a few in one already, huh? Yeah. Uh, have you done uh, anything with yours, uh, adding to it at all? No, I haven't. Um, I mean, we, you know, we've got the the two NES or the two USB NES SNES controllers and mm-hmm. then I got um some other controllers to go with it. 
yeah. um, that would that work better for uh, like the uh, the Sega games and stuff. But, yeah, so yeah, I put I mean, Sega on your but yours, but it was more you know trying to fit as much as I could on it. Uh, but sorry, go ahead. But I mean, I haven't messed with it in terms of like adding more games to it or anything. And I mean, you know, it's been going strong for a couple of years now. We play it. We have periods where we play it more, but usually um, two or three times a month at least, me and the kid or uh, me and Katie or, you know, Katie and the kid will sit down and play. We've had a couple of times where we've all sat down and played stuff together and, you know, pass the controllers back and forth or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's been time periods where we'll play it like every day um, whenever, especially whenever Katie's in a mood to be like, oh, I just want to play some games, Mm -hmm. like some old games that I remember from when I was a kid. So, but I mean, it gets used regularly. It's part of the entertainment system in the well, entertainment well, center in the living room. The, I'm glad the USB controllers have held up because yeah, no, they've held up fine. Uh, admittedly, they weren't exactly the highest quality controllers, but they work, right? Yeah, uh, it's actually pretty simple, but you need to know the IP of the uh, system uh, because uh, I did leave the FTP server running on that, so you could rebut into it. And I never changed any of the passwords on it. So if you want, I could give you a, a, the lowdown on how to do that later. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see why not. It'd be good to have in case I did. You know, we did decide, or I decided to make some changes. But yeah, and there's also the manager that's still running. So uh, whenever the system's active, uh, if you go to whatever the IP address of it is on your network. Uh, colon uh 8000 which is the uh the port for it it loads up a web page that the system hosts that gives you vital stats of the uh, system uh it allows you to add roms there as well add bios for other systems if it doesn't have its stock uh be able to change some settings there like i said it's it's an incredibly flexible system once you get used to it but because it's built on a linux uh base there's some weird shit that goes on with it. There's a lot of sub menus and a lot of stuff that uh, feels like old DOS days of setting up something. Yeah, that it, it, that in itself it feels a little nostalgic as well. You know, firing up uh, something and like, okay, now here's all twenty uh, uh, supported sound cards. Which one is yours? <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, something similar to that. But, uh, you know, also, you know, it's nice to be able to load up a game and not be uh, sold or be t- them trying to sell all their loot boxes. Uh, hey, do you need your battle pass? Um, oh, and by the way, would you like to, uh, uh, you know, check out some of the DLC? It's just, you know, there, right? Yeah. But sadly, even indie games are getting uh, bad about it. Having things like battle passes and yeah. more microtransactions and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just nice to kind of go back, play some Spyro, uh, watch his butt wiggle as he's flying around, that sort of thing. <laughs> Kinky. Um, yeah. I've been playing a game that doesn't have any ads or microtransactions in it, or battle passes, or subscriptions, or... Oh, really? I have, indeed. Yes, really. Um, I'm, I'm, is is this a, a segue I can seize, or, or do you want to talk about the, uh, the retro... Go- Go, go for your segue, then we'll uh, then we'll shit on another game. Sweet. So yeah, I've been playing X Four Foundations. Um, I got this game. I think it was like January of last year, or, or sometime. 
it came out in 2018 and I didn't get it immediately after launch, but I got it somewhere in like around Christmas 2018 to, you know, January of, of 2019, somewhere in that range. Um, I played it for, I think 40 or 50 hours, had a good time with it, but the game was still, I mean, it's an X series game and they never really ever get all the bugs ironed out of them. It definitely takes modders to get the entire game sort of straightened out and ironed out. And it was in its like one point something release at the time. And so I decided to wait, you know, let it go back in the oven um, and try it out again. And this previous year, or this, you know, sometime in the past year, I don't remember exactly when, they released like their first big DLC for it after it hit um, 3.0, which is, feels very strange to me that it's in 3. Point, actually, it's in 3.3 now. But, you know, they, re- they released their first major DLC. They felt like they had finally gotten the game where they wanted it to be as a base experience and then released their first DLC. So I was like, okay, I'll go back and play it. And I've been playing the base game um, with a lot of mods um, after I played it for a while, base game. But for anyone who hasn't played any of the X series games, there's quite a few of them. Um, this is the fourth sort of mainline series. But or mainline game in the series, but usually what happens is that a game will release, then it will get one or two, or in the case of X3, it got three major expansions to the game that typically, you know, expand upon the roster of ships and the roster of other things that you can do, and in some ways, add or change key gameplay mechanics. There's been a couple of spinoffs, the most notable one being X Rebirth, which was a, a game that was aimed at consoles, and it shows, because that's the worst one in the whole series. Um, but this is, uh, them taking ideas. X4 is them taking ideas from Rebirth, the good ideas, stuff like being able to walk around on stations and more easily sort of teleport back and forth between ships that you own. Um, and just putting a lot more sort of physical presence into the game world. Um, cause you can also walk around on your, your own ships, especially like your capital ships and, um, interact with things in a lot of different ways and improvements to the menu system and whatnot, like all of that stuff. And then partnering that back with the more classic gameplay, which is spreadsheets in space, basically. That's what the X series is. You can play it. It's a, it's a completely open-ended game. These games always have stories in the back end that you can engage in if you want to. Um, and X4 kind of tries to hook you a little more strongly into its story, but at a certain point you can just abandon it and the game doesn't mind. Um, But really where the heart of this game is, is that it's as close as you can get to like Eve online as a single player game. Um, You start out as a, a lowly guy in a small fighter or trade ship and you build your way up into a space empire manager and managing hundreds or thousands of craft and you can build all different types of space stations. There's a thriving economy in the game with production chains for literally everything from, you know, beans and bullets and band-aids for boo-boos all the way up to capital ship equipment and eventually being able to produce your own ships at your own shipyards. Well, what about Um, producing my own beans? You can produce your own beans. They're called soja beans. Um, You can produce those. So you're good. You can grow soja beans on your space station and feed them to the aliens that eat the soja beans. I think they're called the Paranid. I can't remember which aliens eat the soja beans. But um, there's a or, wide or variety. What if I want to make uh, refried soja beans? <laughs> I guess you could. 
I don't know. What you do with the soja beans after I've grown them is up is your business. Soja beans um, are totally drugs, aren't they? No, that's space weed. Like they're very on the nose for their drugs. They're space weed and space fuel, and that's you know, space weed is obviously drugs and space fuel is alcohol. And you know, space weed and space fuel are illegal. But on your own space stations, you can do whatever you want, and the cops can come get the people after they they buy the space drugs and the space alcohol. Oh, so my favorite- you could be Colorado or you know whatever state's uh, uh, ratified uh, uh, legal weed, uh, and they the cops are just saying they're at the border, right? Pretty much, you can actually do that yourself. So X Four is the first se- first game in the series that actually lets you control sectors. You could fundamentally control a sector in the previous games by wiping out all of the space stations and things that already exist there, building your own and then patrolling the system and killing anything that comes into it. Like you could effectively control a system, but if you looked on the big galactic map, it would still say it was the property of whatever alien or, you know, whichever one of the races owned it before. But now you can actually control systems and they will turn green, which is your faction color by default. Um, And you do that by building uh, space stations within those sectors but there are neutral sectors that either just nobody controls or they're controlled by pirates and the pirates don't actually establish any form of governance over their systems which i find interesting because there's a couple of co- pirate collectives that essentially control clusters of systems but they are listed as neutral and you can turn up and just build an administrative station in them and suddenly that sector is yours and it's like oh we're just going to ignore the 20 you know pirate space weed uh, factories that are in this system and it's mine now I'm gonna put a poli- police in place and tax your your goods but anyways you you can also control gain control of a sector by killing everything inside of it and then building you know an administrative st- section in it but that, that's really cool I'm my my current goal um, in doing all of this is to is I've essentially ignored the story and I'm gonna ignore the story until I effectively win the game. The sort of the main antagonists that keep it going, if you ignore the story, is there's two hostile alien races that are hostile to everyone. Uh, The Xenon, which are um, self-replicating machines that were set loose by ancient Terrans into the the galaxy. Oh, the replicators. Yeah, yeah, replicators. And And they just want to consume everything and turn it into more of themselves. Yeah, the replicators from Stargate. Yep. And then there are the cock, which tee-hee. that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, tee-hee, who are like a an insectoid alien species that just hate all of the other races and are there's no way to Well, it's because um, they always sticker whenever they say their race name. Probably, but there's no way to uh to ally with them. And so they're they fight everyone all the time and that's kind of what keeps the economy churning. Um and yeah, you, you, you start out as a, a, a soul spaceship and build your way up into a space empire. And I'm kind of in the empire building stage um, on my playthrough that I've been at doing. Um, I, I own three sectors currently, but they're not like in a cluster. So sort of my main production hubs are spread out. But then I have a pretty strong presence in one of the main um, NPC factions territory. Like I became allies with them. And so I've got a, a pretty big presence there, and I basically fuel their war effort because uh, they fight. They're fighting the Xenon on like the primary Xenon front, and they were getting their shit kicked in for a long time. 
It's like, I'm coming, guys. I like you and your ship's the best, so I'm going to save you. Because these factions can be wiped out. Like, they, they can be completely killed, either in wars with each other or wars with the Xenon and the Cock. So, if you don't protect them, they can fall. Well, you should protect your Cock. I'm definitely protecting my Cock. So... But the the game has got still got some fundamental problem. It's it's completely playable. They've done a lot of quality of life improvements from the previous games. Um, they've gone to a very modern feeling way to interact with everything. Previously, it was all menu driven, so you'd have to tap through menus or click on menus and issue commands through these menus. And now you can directly left and right click on stuff on the maps and issue orders to it through issue orders to stuff through that or you can directly interact with your stations to set up parameters for goods like through these menus and you don't have to go you know like all right i'm gonna tab over three times and go to the station setting and then i'm gonna uh you know type four for the cell orders and then i'm gonna type you know 17 to get down to the 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 space weed and set the pricing for it. It's it's no, you just click on it. It's got sliders and bars that you can adjust. You can so you basically, can it's in. not Dwarf Fortress anymore. No, they've they've streamlined the user interface, and it works really, really, really well. Um, it had some issues in previous versions, but in the three point three, um, I haven't noticed any problems with that at all. It's it's very functional. It looks good. It's easy to understand and to get to things. It's great. Um, the interface, top-notch. Two thumbs up. Um, they've done some work on balancing the in-game economy so it doesn't grind to a halt if um, anything ever becomes too unbalanced. Uh, the game doesn't have enough ways to sort of get goods out of the economy, so a lot of stations back up if you're not um, churning ships out and getting them blown up in, in endless wars. Because um, everything funnels towards the shipyards to, to build ships to do combat. Also, and it's then, modeled after the U.S. economy. Indeed, it is. It is modeled after the U.S. economy. And there are certain stations, like trade stations, every once in a while, will reset their inventory, and then you can sell stuff to trade stations. But it's a really slow process, and it, and it does all eventually bottleneck. Um, and I suppose at a certain point, when you've got enough of your own manufacturing... You can build your own ships, and you don't need money because you're producing all of the goods and everything that you're in, in yourself. But it creates some big slowdowns in the mid game when you don't have enough stuff to be able to fuel every nation's war economy at once. It, it there there's some pretty big slowdowns, so that's that's frustrating. Um, and then performance is abysmal because even though this game was, um, it's an X game. It is an X game, but it's using the same engine as X Rebirth, which is something like nine or ten years old, and it can only make use of two processing cores. So, well, that's some high tech <laughs> shit for uh, consoles. Eventually, the game grinds to a horrible slow pace, um, <coughs> frame rate wise, because it just it, you're having to wait on everything to be calculated. And you can help the game along a little bit by not opening the, the map screen and letting that play out in the background or going to sort of an empty area of space and camping out so that it's not having to do much active processing and active physics stuff. Um, but those are, that's the game's biggest issue is its performance. And it's got a memory leak as well. Um, if you play this, like I assume normal people, probably not a pro an issue, but I will play it for 
six, eight, ten hours at a time, or at least leave it on. And it starts to get to chug along no matter what you're doing after that long. But, you know, saving and quitting and reopening the game fixes that problem. Um, there's some other issues with balance. The AI can be a little derpy. They've got some uh, quality of life stuff <coughs> that helps with that. Collision is not really an issue anymore. Like, the AI will still fly into stuff. <laughs> but when I- the AI is... I was going to say, I remember playing around, I believe it was one of the X3 trilogy, and I wasn't paying attention, uh, and Autopilot ran me right into an asteroid. Yeah, that still happens, but it, um, when a AI pilots are, auto, are, are flying your ship, it doesn't take collision damage. So it'll crash, and it could cause it to like lose its course, but it doesn't take collision damage. And then anything that's out of system, um, if you're just like watching it on the map, no collision damage at all from that as well, which that would happen in X3. Like you would, uh, especially if you had any auto miners, they would still take damage and eventually get destroyed because they're crashing into asteroids and stuff repeatedly while they're mining. But that that's not an issue anymore. So, but I, the, a lot of the mods I'm using, um, there it's about 50, 50 on mods that I'm using that add stuff to the game, like more ships from uh, previous games that, weren't in this one um or just like stuff that people have added like i've got like some star wars yeah there's mods for star wars ships there's a the, somebody's working on a full total conversion star wars mod um actually would I, be pretty badass with the, the <coughs> series it, it's probably the closest you could get to a proper star wars universe yeah it's it's looking really good for the most part right now it's added assets and things like that um but they're they're working on a full total conversion to turn all of the systems into Star Wars systems and all the factions replacing them with Star Wars factions and yeah uh, the, custom dialogue and stuff. Yeah, uh, the other big series that is always shows up in these is Star Trek, but it doesn't really fit the X series all that well. You know, no. at least lore wise, right? But um, so yeah, I um, uh, you know, about fifty percent of the mods is is that sort of thing, and then the other fifty percent is. Uh, AI and script scripts, um, AI fixes and scripts. There's a several, there's, there's a couple series of mods that are big overhauls for AI behavior. Um, and I'm using a set that tweaks a lot of the, uh, basically AI intelligence on a macro level so that they make smarter war decisions and more, um, they're much more reactive in deploying defensive ships to regions and trying to retake regions of space that they've lost. Um, and then, uh, sh- ones that help fix the economy to create larger resource sinks and adjust some of the balancing on how much of something it takes to produce something else. Um, so that you do get a lot more usage of, um, trade goods that stop mattering at a certain point of the game. So keeps the economy flowing a lot better, especially for the player. Um, I don't know how much it actually affects the, f- affects the factions behind the scenes, but they seem to have unlimited money. Um, and de- haven't always made the smartest decisions in terms of like where to go and buy stuff, but those could be, you know, specifically to help the player along, um, to support the player economy, which, you know, that's a gameplay over sort of realism decision. And I can accept that, but it does seem to make them more active at utilizing their own stations and their own stuff. But I haven't noticed any, any loss in terms of like my own, uh, profits through that. Um, and then other mods that, that just, small or scripts actually is, is is a big one um i would say that the orders that you can issue to your 
in uh, AI controlled ships are adequate to play without mods. Um, <clears throat> but they're pretty rigid. So when it comes to setting up stuff for stations or fleet management, those are the two that sort of break down the most. Like individually controlling or setting up individual like custom order routes maybe for like custom routes for traders or whatever. Like that's baked in pretty well. But fleets are horribly lacking in, in what you can do because fleets are designed specifically around combat. But you might want to have a mining fleet that's not attached to a station or a trading fleet that's attached to one of your best pilots because the, the types of orders that you can issue to them are based on piloting rank. And so the higher piloting rank that they have, the more complex orders that you can give them. So think of like, you know, auto trading um, in a sector versus a region of space versus the entire map. Um, you know, the, the highest pilot skills are the only ones that can do the entire map for auto trading. <clears throat> but they, they should be able to manage like a fleet underneath them to do auto trading for them. But the base game doesn't allow you to do that. So I use a mod that lets you do that, and then mods that let you tweak um, station ships, uh, their command parameters a lot more to help them not be idle. Because the station, like the, the standard station traders, tend to uh, be very rigid and only follow stuff if you set up specific parameters in a station. You can't say like, okay, I want you to sell goods for, you know, between this and this at like between this percentage markup and this percentage markup if you get, you know, a full cargo hold. But if you're only going to get half the order, then it needs to be a different percentage markup. Like you can't set that in the base game. Um, and so you wind up with a lot of stuff sitting around because ships tend to want to favor having a full cargo hold um, at whatever price you set. And that's, I mean, it works. You can you can do that. And you can kind of manage that by having more small trade ships um, to fill in those gaps instead of relying on the larger, more efficient trade ships. But I use a set of mods that lets you set those custom parameters. So it's like, you know, if you're going to send out 100% cargo capacity, then, you know, you can use this percentage markup. And if you're only going to do 50%, then it needs to be this much percentage markup, and so on and so forth. Um, so, and then being able to set up roving mining fleets and trade fleets with high-end commanders and doing like unique stuff like if you want to trade in sort of more hostile territory to try and support one of the factions that's in the war you can now set up combat ships for trading instead of just using the freighters so i mean they they have smaller cargo holds but you send a frigate in somewhere and it's going to take out any fighter wings that come to try and you know poach its goods so it's modding is just where the game is at i would say that Without mod, I mean, the game is completely playable without mods. It's not like this is a Skyrim situation where the game is broken and unplayable without mods. Well, I was going to say boring, but... I don't even think the game is boring without mods, no, but no, it's... No, I was saying Skyrim is boring without mods. Ah, I see. But, you know, it's it's completely playable. I would say it's somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, a B, you know, like a B-tier game. Um, and it, it certainly scratches an itch in a niche that doesn't doesn't really get scratched in any other way. Um, there's really no other game out there like the X series, except for Eve Online. But Eve Online is, you know, obviously crack. an MMO. Crack, yes, and an MMO. Um, whereas the X series, you know, single player, offline. Um, but with mods and the versatility that comes with mods, I mean, that easily elevates. It's like an A minus, you know, maybe even a, a solid A. So um, I've basically ignored the storylines 
there are quite a few if you you know if you're someone who's really interested in the story i can't tell you too much about them the sort of the basic story that gets you that acts as like your tutorial gets you your first space station called the, the player headquarters um which is what it's been in you know every other game like the the main story yeah, it gets you the player headquarters. And then even that, the main story still opens up and you've got some objectives, but like I said, you can completely ignore them. There's several other side stories that introduces you to, you know, a whole cast of characters and gives you things like ships and, mon- you know, monetary payouts and stuff like that. But you can. Yeah, if I remember them. correctly, at least in X3, the story was decent. I mean, it wasn't yeah. amazing, but it wasn't bad either. Yeah. I mean, what I've played of the story in, in X4 is, is fine. It's decent. You know, but kind of like in X3, I really didn't mess much with the story in X3. I would do enough of the story to get to the player headquarters, and then I would stop. Because the player headquarters in in all of the X series of games is a unique space station that you can't get in any other way. Um, So that's, you know, I, I would usually pick the trader start for X3, do the main quest line up to the player headquarters, get that, and then be done with the story. I've never actually completed the story on any X series game, despite playing quite a few of them. So, but I mean, that's not what I play the game for. I I think it's there to give people a hook to cue them into the lore of the universe, but you don't need that. If, if what you're going to the game for is, is what I'm going to the game for. But, but I mean, it's nice. Like it's included and that's good. Um, I've always told myself I would go back and I would beat the story of all of the X games that I own. I've, I've never done that. I don't know if I ever will, but Yeah. X War Foundations, two thumbs up. Uh, probably at Christmas, I'm gonna buy the DLCs, um, which adds new stations, new trade goods, new ships, new systems. Space crack. Yay, space crack. Oh wait, that's Eve. Sorry. Indeed, indeed. Good podcasting game. Um, okay. uh, how about a probably a decent podcasting game if it uh, if you could suffer through it enough. Yeah. You and I played uh, Deep Rock Galactic on Sunday. Yeah, basically, you were having some issues with the uh, Crusader King some, and it came up on uh, Game Pass, and thought, eh, what the hell not, right? Yeah, yeah, because we, we had both wanted to play it when it released. I, I remember when it came out on Steam, and I was like, oh, this looks really good. I, I could, you know, go for this. But I didn't want to buy it at, at full price, and then it kind of just fell off my radar for a while. Yeah, and kind of glad we didn't buy into it, huh? Yeah. Now, I guess we should preface this with saying that we did not play a ton of it, but it seems to fall into the MMO problem of frontlining, or, or the MMO slash, I guess, Final Fantasy problem these days, where you have to go to you know, 10, 20 hours to get to the interesting bit. And neither of us really wanted to go through that. So the idea of Deep Rock Galactic is you are a space dwarf, and you are hired by the Deep Rock Galactic uh, Mining Association. And you're sent on missions to go collect shit, get, collect minerals, collect you know, bare asses, essentially. Uh, and then run back to the drop pod. Otherwise, it's going to leave you behind because you know, you're expendable. The resources aren't. Uh, and the resources are on this uh, little spider droid called Molly. Which, that's that's good. That's very good. I like Molly. Uh, so Molly runs off without you, uh, leaving beacons behind to, yeah, as a breadcrumb trail to the drop pod. And then, yeah, five minutes to get the drop pod. If you're uh, there, great. If not, oh, well, uh, they're leaving you. 
Yep. And we played through the tutorial and a couple missions. And one, it feels like it's geared towards a bigger group. And I think that might be part of our problem. We were playing it with two. And I think the maximum amount of players is four. Yeah. Oh, hang on, I'm just double. Yeah, four players. So, uh, and it's one of these cl- uh, class-based games where there's four individual classes, and they each have their own specialty. There's the gunner that uh, specializes in weaponry, which uh, you're, you know, you're not alone. You it, it borrows heavily from Left 4 Dead, which has a essentially a, a AI director, and I'm not sure if it's running the same idea here, but felt like it. Where at certain points, uh, it'll try to yeah, surprise you with, uh, let's spawn some stuff. Or, uh, you know, things are getting a little bit boring. Let, let's spawn a bunch of uh, monsters. And the counter excels with that with a, uh, uh, a, a minigun and a rather powerful, uh, uh, pistol, but also could use zip lines. Oh, was that you, Jared? Nope. Nope. That was Craig. Oh. I've been unexpectedly disconnected. If you want me to stop recording, please command me to with Craig leave. I don't want you to stop recording, Craig. Now recording too. Electric yep. boogaloo. Indeed. So anyway, uh, let's see where was I. Uh, uh, the gunner could use zip lines as mobility. You are playing the miner that uh, there his uh, second his main uh, special ability was uh, uh, drills, right? Yeah, he had like two. Uh, drill arm things that could go, I mean, that could, you know, drill really quickly through any of the uh, surfaces that we at least encountered. Um, uh, and, like, I used it to make, most commonly, I we I used it to make ramps. Yeah, because all the mobility stuff, well, actually, everything, it's based around resource management. So, if you lollygag too much, you're going to run into resource problems. And on the first mission we did together, we didn't realize just how limited it was because in the tutorial, they don't mention, oh, yeah, by the way, you only have so many of this. The tutorial, you're playing the gunner and you know, it allows you to make all the zip lines you want. Well, it's only in your first mission. Oh, you get three. That's it. Three. Uh, then there's the scout, which has a grappling gun, which probably has some sort of limited resource as well. And the engineer that can put down sentries and has a little bot that follows them around, but also has platforms. It's got like a platform yeah. gun. Yeah, yeah. Plat- which also uh, is limited. So it's a uh, risk reward of just how uh, much do you, or how greedy do you want to get, right? Yeah. But the levels are actually pretty sprawling. And uh, that last one we played, Hunting the Eggs, uh, it took us quite a while because, yeah, the, the, the map is interesting in this. It has this like echolocation thing going on where you, you could freely rotate around a 3D map and try to figure out uh, a route. And for some of the missions, it shows you your objectives and some it, some it doesn't. And you just have to look around for it. And for the egg uh, hunt, uh, it showed us, okay, all the objectives are above us. Great. How do we get there, right? Yeah. And we ended up taking, what, like 20, 25 minutes to do that one? And it was just boring. <clears throat> Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing is that it's not it doesn't feel well balanced around fewer than four people, and and because I think if there were more of us, we could more easily complete the objectives. So we could probably cut each level time in half, which would make it more 
you know, it, it wouldn't get as boring. And then there would be more stuff because I think it bases the encounters, both the, the size of the encounters and the frequency of the encounters based on how many players that you have. So with more players, you would have more frequent encounters that potentially were, were larger or more difficult, which would lead to them being a lot more dynamic in, in feeling. But I mean, with what we encounter, it's just like, all right, uh, I've got a flamethrower, so I'll shoot him with a flamethrower and you've got a minigun, so you shoot him with a minigun. And a couple of times I would switch to my pistol because the flamethrower's range isn't very long. Yeah, and so, the minigun, uh, it has a heat mechanic. So if you shoot for too long, uh, it uh, overheats and jams. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff to unlock, don't get me wrong. But it's a grind. And also, they went a lot over style over functionality. And the game is stylish as fuck. It pretty much feels like steampunk space dwarfs uh, to yeah, like the nth degree. Uh, you're like in this space station for the opening for your, your main menu. And it's crazy. There's barrels to kick. There's this digging rocket thing that you jump into for your missions. There's a, uh, a little uh, alcove where you could set up the engineer bot. You could change your stuff around. But it's also clunky, 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 because half of it is locked behind progression and it doesn't tell you, yeah, what you need to do. Uh, part of it is just so far away from everything else. It just feels like the, uh, that station is about three or four times too big for what it's actually doing. Yeah. And I compared it actually to Warframe, which does a similar thing with, well, one, uh, it actually does it a bit differently as well, but all the stations in your ship are their own individual things. So, you know, you have uh, your loadout, which is consolidated uh, into a, a, was would be like two or three stations in uh, Deep Rock Galactic. It's consolidated into one. Uh, your crafting, which is its own station. Uh, but the thing is that it's all in this one little area. And it's not spread out over, you know, a good, a reasonable sized area. It would take you, what, like a minute to run across it all? And never mind the fact that it's also multiple layers and there's, you know, like two or three layers up that you could go in. Yeah, and it's got weird elevators that that you have to wait on. That is either not implemented or we didn't unlock it yet and not sure which. It just feels like it has that MMO problem of uh, the opening of the game is just so dull that maybe it is awesome. You know, maybe that trailer for, on Steam isn't full of bullshit and it actually gets tense and has a lot of stuff to do. But the path there is, you know, 15, 20 hours. And honestly, I'm getting to the point where if a game takes you that long to get to a good portion of the game, I'd rather go play a game that is worth it from, you know, uh, 10 minutes in <clears throat> yeah it just feels like a waste of time and i know that part of the, the of the deep rock experience and a, a lot of these games like it is you know hanging out with your buddies and doing that sort of thing but uh, games with that's bounced around more than just one or two players it's tough to you know really manage these days or at least at our ages right yeah <laughs> indeed because we're a couple of old bastards. And you should get off our fucking lawn. Get off that fucking lawn. But yeah, it's, it's, I feel like at its core, it's a, it's got a, it's a good concept. 
it's a game that works and you know like like we've been saying like maybe it does get really interesting and the balance you know the game play pace and difficulty and everything picks up and makes it a lot more interesting but you know especially there at the beginning i mean we played it for two hours or something like that and we were both bored and and so much of it like you were saying like could be fixed by if they want to keep their whole you know oh this is our cool like home base and you can go and you can explore it like fine that's fine let us get do everything in the pause menu or have one central location like maybe because like whenever you spawn into the base like you're in like a like a little sort of dorm style room and then there's also like a main central computer where you uh select the mission that you're going to go on like in one of those two places that are like right there you know be able to get into a menu to access everything that you need for your equipment and your upgrades and and all of that jazz instead of making it run around the entire facility and then you could run around the facility if you wanted to to explore and yeah that's what warframe does different is that you could run around the spaceship or you could just use the menus. Yeah. But it's also so small that, you know, it doesn't save a ton of time to use the menus. I hell, like there's this bar that, you know, you can't access anything in it after two hours because, you know, you're down high enough player level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I there mean, was that. I mean, I mean there were, there damn were th- dwarves. There were three stations that you couldn't access. Because you weren't a higher enough player level. And we didn't get high enough within the two hours that we played. Because there's the bar. There was the equipment um, upgrades. And then mm-hmm. there was something called mineral trade-in. And you couldn't do any of those three at the current player levels we were. And we got up to player level three for the two characters that we had played. Yeah, and the thing is that yeah, it just kind of teases you to say, oh, you're, you're not high enough. Or, or for the one, it even just says... Uh, you, uh, I have to unlock this on the, uh, on the map. Well, great. That, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it ran really well. Um, for some reason, it, it started out locked to 120 FPS for both of us. Mm-hmm. And then I unlocked it and it was getting northwards of 200, um, FPS the entire Well, time I have I a 60 hertz monitor. So the fact that it was locked to 120 is, ridiculous for me because you know it's just wasting a bunch of frames yeah and then i've you know i've got my 144 hertz monitor but i mean it is running at you know 200 plus i I will say that uh, there are some uh, mechanics in it that i really liked uh the flare mechanic where first of all they regenerate so it's not a limited amount it's (laughs) it's i think it's the one thing that does regenerate uh and all the caverns are pretty dark you have uh essentially flashlights strapped to your gun or whatever or you have a mining helmet on. Uh, so you're able to see a, a pretty short, uh, small cone ahead of you. But you can throw a, uh, a flare and they bounce pretty significantly. And there's some uh, areas, uh, even in the couple missions that we did, where you could see the flare bounce down like this long path. And it was really impressive. Uh, just, yeah, one, just the procedural generation or semi-procedural, depending on. Uh, just how it handles things behind the uh, behind the scenes, uh, but yeah, you know, gives you that sense of scale, you know. You know yeah. Ch- uh, chuck that flare and see it bounce down the uh, uh, the path, and then it just drops off, and you can see the light just disappear in, in the, down below. That was a neat effect, and the fact that they made the flare you know bouncy enough to be able to do that, especially on rock, uh, and the you know 
the destructible terrain, you know, it doesn't limit you at all. You can mine pretty much anywhere you want, but short of the minor character, everybody is using just pickaxes, which is very slow. It's uh, cumbersome. It doesn't build, it make a nice tunnel. So you're constantly bumping your head. It's sort of like the Minecraft problem of, you know, you have to be careful of uh, digging just enough uh, room. Yeah. Oh, and also don't dig straight down. Did you try to dig straight down? Uh, No, but yo, I was just covering my bases there. Oh, okay. Well, I did dig straight down for that one egg. Because, right? That's true. That's true. But it's not like you were digging randomly into the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were, you knew where you were going. So, yeah, it's just, I, I think it's just one, we didn't have enough players, and two, it's just, it doesn't, it's not geared around a, a good opening. It has a very lengthy tutorial that doesn't really need to be there, and that could have been, a, uh, yeah, a lot shorter. Uh, it, uh, it forces you at the tutorial before you even can access a fucking thing, which, I despise games that do that do that. So that already put it on my shit list to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Uh, there's just a lot of tweaks I could do to make it a lot better, but yeah, right. Yeah. Yep, yep. I mean the biggest thing that would make it I think better or palatable would be adjusting the balance or adjusting the start in some way so that it was more di- interesting, dynamic, fast-paced. I mean, I don't want it to be too fast-paced. I think if you tweaked, you know, the dial-up to 11, it would be way too fast, going sort of against um, what I think a lot of people would get interested in this for, sort of a... Uh, I don't know. I don't know the right way to say I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. Um, I think if you made it too fast, it would, it would get too hectic, and then it, it would become not the game that it's trying to be, if that makes sense. Like, it would swap genres to something else, that's not in line with what it's trying to do. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe that would make it a better game. Uh, basically, just uh, make it so that uh, there's a, a, a happy medium between crazy, uh, over-the-top action that they actually kind of tease in the trailer and what we got, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that balance exists somewhere in the game, but like you said, I'm not going to play it for... Um, however many hours it takes to get to that point when I could play other games that I enjoy a lot more. Yeah, uh, so I guess uh, Crusader Kings again next week? <laughs> yeah, I fixed Crusader Kings. I just had to find, for some reason, which, uh, you know, I-, I talked about this when we played, but for anyone listening who's interested, Crusader Kings, when playing it through Game Pass, hates certain antivirus software, or antivirus certain antivirus software hates it. And so it crashes on startup. And usually when that happens, you just sort of force close it and reset it in Windows and you're good to go. A couple of times I've had to actually go and like click to reinstall it and it goes really fast. It's more like verifying the game files and it might need to download something, but it's not reinstalling the whole game per se. But this time, um, whenever it crashed, aside from being able to look at it on the Game Pass app i couldn't actually find the files anywhere so i had to sort of go manually dig through um install folders find the game open it up through there click on the repair option and then it re-downloaded part of the game and it's it's working fine none of my save data appears to be corrupted and 
or anything. So it's just just weird. So yeah, I guess week, that's pretty to... much it. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, and it's kind of a shame because yeah, space dwarves, uh, foul mouth, drunk, uh, mining shit. That should be gold, but uh, right? Yeah, but it's not. Speaking of things that should be gold. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Our first uh, news topic of the night. Low Marvel's Avengers sales drive $63 million loss at Square Enix. Okay, I got a question, and this is a serious question. I got an answer. Let's hope they match. How the fuck in this year when practically every other company is making bank because of the pandemic and people yeah, turning to home entertainment that you fuck up so bad that you have a $63 million loss outside of, you know, fucking up the Avengers. That's just yeah. staggering to me. I think, I think that's more staggering than screwing up the Avengers because honestly, Marvel with a few notable exceptions have had some very, very, very poor video games. I mean, honestly, superhero video games in general are very tough to pull off. Uh, to an entertaining degree with a few, like I said, notable exceptions, but the Avengers, it's the, it's the hot property. It, it set box office records all over the damn place. You screwed it up so damn bad that you had a $63 billion loss. Never mind the fact that this is on top of everything else. So it tanked that hard as I bumped the microphone, it tanked that hard. That it screwed over the rest of your profits? Really? Yeah. Yep. I mean, as a serious answer to your question, I mean, so I didn't play this. This is all secondhand from reviews that I, you know, read and stuff that I heard from people. But the game, at best, was mediocre. So the gameplay, mediocre. Um, And then the thing that would probably sell it the most being the actual huge roster of characters and potential costumes and stuff was, were all microtransactions. So you don't have great gameplay. You've got a live service game because, you know, that's the thing that every company is trying to chase and make work. And we've been saying it for a couple years now. There's not enough space in the marketplace for more than a couple of these live service games to be successful at any one time. So, mediocre gameplay, huge push for microtransactions for for cosmetic DLC, or cosmetic shit, and then, you know, the the always online, you know, not allowing people to play it as, like, a single-player game after sort of the initial, uh, like, storyline. Just people, I think, outright rejected it. They have too much... There's too much choice in, um, you know, modern or in, in, you know, in 21st century digital entertainment, to settle for mediocrity. See, and that's what this was. Right? Yeah, that's exactly what this was. It, it tried to sell itself based on its looks. And it kept so many of those looks, you know, as extras that you had to pay more and more for to get. And so it had no selling points. And for for people who were more and and I I have have brought this up at some point in the past for people who are more into the comic books or the animated series that's fine like your hardcore like diehard fans you know died in the wool like Marvel fans 
aren't going to to be weirded out by the fact that the characters don't look or sound anything like they do. Yeah, in broad strokes, they look like the characters from the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I think most people who would be coming into this game are people who were brought into the Marvel Universe by the movies. I mean, I'm not going to say that comics are like this super niche thing and like not even Marvel comics, but it's the whole deal of like, you know, a few million versus tens of millions or hundreds of millions of people. Like before 2009, most people, unless you were hardcore uh, Marvel fans didn't know who Iron Man was. Like, they knew the X-Men. X-Men are kind of Marvel's, like, flagship franchise from the last 30 years or so. X-Men and a couple other titles. Punisher got kind of big there for a while. And a few others. But Marvel has never had the same sort of selling power as Batman and Superman historically. It's only in the last decade or so, thanks largely to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that all of these characters have come front and center in the general public. And... So you have, the, I think, uh, you know, another aspect of this failure is you have a huge audience wanting to come to this game to play their favorite characters from the movie. And one, that character might not even be there, especially if it's Spider-Man. And two, <laughs> even if your character is there, they don't sound the same. They won't necessarily look alike because of potential differences in the costume that they use. Or and DLC. If there is a, or, yeah, or, the, you know, their DLC. So it's like people come to this wanting specific stuff and the gameplay is mediocre and uh, you know right out the off the gate you're not offering like the full roster of popular marvel characters with their iconic costumes it's like you have no selling point so well it's not just that it's just everything i saw gameplay was they didn't really tailor it to different characters it all is the same missions just you're playing with different characters so if you're playing with iron man uh, he's floating, hovering, yeah, like two feet off the ground because they're in this little uh, area that, you know, Black Widow has to also be uh, reasonable in, right? And yeah. you're fighting the same enemies from everything I've seen. You know, it's the same robots. It's this, you know, it's this, it's the same mediocrity. And on top of that, they gear it towards uh, multiplayer based, you know, team ups. But there's so few people playing that, you know, the matchmaking just doesn't work. So, what the hell, right? Uh, when when I originally saw this, before they mentioned it was a games as a service, live service, whatever uh, thing, I thought this was going to be a story-driven RPG where you could switch between the characters or there was, like, different arcs with the different characters. And then eventually they all come together, you know, in a, a symbol. Because that's what they really made it look like at first, didn't it? I'm talking back yeah. at the at the E3, like what two years ago or twenty years ago or something now. <laughs> twenty years ago. That feels God, like it, it feels it? like it. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, in the distant year of 2018, a few decades ago. Yeah. Another issue that may or may not, you know, we'll. I don't think we'll ever know how heavily this affected it, but. I mean, we are in a worldwide global pandemic that the U.S. has royally shit the bed on. I mean, I don't want to get off in the weeds about politics again, but we have <laughs> we have screwed oh, the no, pooch on this one. And the United States is one of the largest markets for video games. You know, especially games like this. Like, China is, is I think, single-handedly the world's largest video game market, but they're very insular, and they've got their, you know, tons and tons of rules and regulations. Like, don't want to get into that 
you know in the weeds on that discussion right now but pretty the United much States uh, is, if you break certain taboos you're banned like showing bones for example if there's a skeleton whoop that's why like uh, back in the day one of the world of warcraft expansions was delayed by like a couple of years because it was uh, heavily focused on the undead but uh, you can't really do that in china so they had to redo practically the entire expansion yeah, but you know, with the United States being in a, a free fall economic economic crisis for the um, the disappearing middle class and then your poorer classes, which historically spend disproportionately large amounts on things like game video games, um, you know, their their income is disappearing. You know, there there are very few sort of middle class quote. I'm I'm going to say middle class, but just you know crunch all of the complexities into that those words as you listen to me please but you know there there have been very few people in the middle class middle middle and lower classes that have maintained um their you know sort of their net worth and their income and even fewer who would have seen any type of increase um i i i am super fortunate to work in a profession that has not seen much contraction but has actually seen some expansion um due to covid um but even then it's like i mean you know i'm not like breaking the bank or anything and i i see and work with so many people on a personal level not just the statistics who have have lost everything because they lost their jobs and there's no security in the united states and you've got millions of people that are losing money left right and center who just can't afford this stuff anymore and so you know i i think that that's I don't know on the grand scheme of things how much specifically that is going to have affected, you know, Marvel's Avengers live service bullshit, but it certainly has had an effect. So it's just this was a bad time for and to a certain extent, like there's not really much they can do about this because the game was planned to release when it did. And, you know, there's a whole other you know discussion to be had on like delaying games and stuff. But, you know, in the in the AAA space. You know, kind of like in the film industry, it's like you've got, you know, here's your deadline and that's when it is. And, you know, they spend tens or hundreds of millions of dollars on marketing to say, like, this is the date, you know, save the date for when the game comes out. And I think that that largely is bullshit, but that's the way that it works. And so, you know, these dates are set in stone for the most part and there's nothing that they can do about it. Um, You know, I, I say there's nothing that they can do about it. They could. But the way that the system is set up with no one willing to push the system to a more healthy place. Like they're, you know, they're sort of locked into these deadlines and then it's like, you know, if something happens and you wind up fucked, well then you're just fucked. And Marvel's the Avengers, uh, live service bullshit was fucked. Like right out the gate. There was nothing going for this game. Yeah. If I recall correctly, it did not get really good reviews anyway. No, it was buggy. The gameplay was mediocre. It wasn't fun. Um, you know, the online part was, was borked from day one. And with that being the central, like, oh, it's always online. Well, the online's broken, so you can't play the game. Yeah, Sorry. let's see. Uh, IGN, 6 out of 10. Uh, well, Metacritic, there we go. Uh, hell, uh, PC Gamer gave it a 69. Nice. Nice. I'm, pre- I'm F to pay respects. Uh, let's put it this way. The best review on here is a guy as a game site i've never heard of uh, and that gave it a 90 then it drops immediately down to an 80 then playstation lifestyle 50 uh sorry 75 then it drops down to the cancer levels let's put it this way uh there's a german site i think that's the proper uh 
uh, suffix for uh, that URL. It gives it a 30. There's nothing heroic in Marvel's Adventures, a game that gives the feeling of a mobile title that uh, invades our living room under the AAA budget hood. The thing that uh, saddens me most about the sacri- is, uh, about this most is the sacrifice of Deus Ex third installment in order for this microtransaction fest to be released. And yeah, I mean there is that too, right? Yeah, they can Deus Ex the uh, the third <clears throat> uh, title in that series or reboot series for this turd. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it was it, it was either last week or two weeks ago I can't remember but but I saw or maybe I heard on a podcast I don't remember where this information came into me but they had announced that they were going to be slashing prices on like all of the in-game microtransactions by like fifty percent or something like that mm-hmm. and it's like that's not a good sign for this game to have only been out for like two or three months for it to already be cutting everything by fifty percent like they're it's already in free fall you know, let's make as much of our money back as we can mode, which is exact. I mean, that's the exact trajectory that we saw from Anthem, which nobody talks about Anthem anymore because it's basically in maintenance mode and they're trying to squeeze as much money out of it as they can before they shut it well, down. Well, they promised they were going to fix it. Don't you believe the executive? No, fuck them. Don't believe them at all. <laughs> bastards. Lying capitalist bastards. Hey, but at least they got their bailout, right? Yeah. Bastards, let's fuckers! See, uh, I'm, gonna get, I'm, I'm already angry. I'm gonna get even angrier at this shit. Let's see. The, oh, the PC game got 68 percent uh, Metacritic score, user score 3.2, and the user score is uh, out of 10. Too bad it's not out of 100. <laughs> 3.2 out of 100. Let's see. PC game. Uh, PC games gives it a, a 80. Uh, game. I don't really care using GameSpot as an overall metric, but as a way to consolidate different sites to be able to look at them real quick, I like. Let's see. What's the worst one on here? That ought to be fun. Uh, Riot Pixels. I've never heard of this site. Avengers is aimed at the most naive <laughs> Marvel fans willing to resolve their idols uh, of all their sims for a ch- uh, sins for a chance to uh, stand next to Captain America or Iron Man, even for just a minute. So yes, fans like uh, Kamala Khan, who are uh, are the perfect target audience for this uh, sort of drivel. Ironically, she's also this uh, one of the central characters of the story. No idea who that is, but I don't follow Marvel all that much. Yeah, she's um, I don't know much about her. I'm pretty sure she's a uh, Muslim character. Um, she's got like big, giant, stretchy hands. I, I, I thought I thought, I thought you were set. going somewhere else with that. To be honest, <laughs> no. Let's see, PC Mag gave it a sixty. I mean, there's a lot of like in the sixty to seventy range, which for or, yeah, twenty years ago, fifteen twenty years ago, that wouldn't be bad. But modern uh, times, yeah, anything like below eighty is cancer. Yeah, and the fact that, but. Uh, even the best one uh, says that they could have done a few things better. <laughs> I mean, that's not a good sign, is it? No, no, it's not. But I mean, you know, it's just a mess. I was, I, I was, mm, I won't say I was hyped. I was excited at the chance of a Marvel game being good. And then I, as soon as I found out that it that, was that isn't, online. Uh, that isn't locked to a Sony console? <laughs> I mean, I'm not even like I mean, Spider-Man's okay. I'm not the biggest Spider-Man fan, 
Spider-Man. Oh, wait, no, never mind. You're talking about the older, um, what was it? Was it Ultimate Alliance or? Well, I was more the... talking about the more modern Spider-Man. Right, Spider-Man. Um, uh, but but yeah, consoles tend to get the better uh, Marvel games, at least. But even yeah. uh, the old, uh, yeah, when the Marvel Universe started to become a thing and they really blitz on the video games, there was a lot of shit. I think it's just part of it is the fact that it's a cynical cash grab and it's licensed out to a company that you know, doesn't really care about putting out a great product. It's there to fund their dream project. It's a contract, a, a, a contractual obligation to be able to you know, get you know, pay their uh, guys to maybe do their own thing later on. So I realized that, you know, there's not a lot of chance for most movie games or in most superhero games or most licensed games really in general to be great. There are exceptions to that. I would say the yep. Arkham series uh, definitely is one of them for the most part, even though it, did, it is kind of played out at this point because it got, you know, Ripped off so many times because, yeah, it was a really good way to do the superhero-esque battle system of fighting, you know, 20 guys at once. Even yeah. though, gotta admit, Batman wasn't a great uh, use of that one because he doesn't bounce 30 feet around like uh, he does in the video games. Uh, but that's just personal opinion, I guess. Yeah, probably one of the best video game or one of the best movie video games uh, I've ever played, actually, is uh, James Cameron's Avatar the Game, which sounds like a horrible, shitty tie-in game. But it was actually pretty good. It was a third-person shooter that um, had, like, um, sort of a like a risk mode in it as well, and you could choose whether you wanted to be, like, the humans or the Na'vi and fight one another, and it had... Um, not totally open worlds, but like really big open maps with objectives that you had to complete. And it was actually a solid game. Um, and I just like you, you talking about this made me think of it. It was, it came out in like 2008 or 2009. It was multi-platform, but I played it on Xbox 360 at the time. Uh, I would say, just, uh, just throw that in there, you know? Okay. It's well, not spectacular, well, but well, it's we're like, talking you know, about, like, uh, actually surprisingly good games from shitty movies. Uh, I guess I would throw uh, Pod Racer into it. Oh my god, Pod Racer was amazing. One of the best Star Wars games. At least of that era, probably the best Star Wars game. Yeah, and probably one of the worst sequences in the movie, actually. I always like the Pod Racing sequence. It just goes on for you know, about 30 minutes too long. It is really long. It's obviously there it... to pad out the you know, the uh, the runtime. If you watch like the director's cut or whatever, it's something like seven or eight minutes longer than it was in the theatrical release. Oh, uh, because, yo, that, yo, yo, you have to get that last lap in, right? Yeah, actually, yeah, exactly. But the, uh, I mean, it's that's a kid thing. Like, my kid loves the pod racing scene in The Phantom Menace. And, I mean, I can't, you know, knock him for that. It's a really cool action scene. You know, a, a kid is being really cool and wins a race and... You know, it's a good scene, especially if you're, you know, six. I've never understood that about the first movie. Now we're going to go on a Star Wars tangent. <laughs> because there's so much stupid political bullshit in that movie. It's like, oh, Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. George, how did you uh, design 
Uh, like, how did you write Star Wars uh, Episode One? Well, well see, I, I did a I, lot I of drugs. I designed a Phantom Menace. I, I designed a Phantom Menace because I wanted to have a movie for kids. So you get the pod racing, you get the the little kid who's like the main character of the movie. He flies the spaceship and the other spaceship. Well, yeah, but George, but why is there like forty five minutes of weird political discussion and trade blockades and negotiations? Well, I think it's important to. Uh, why don't you shut the hell up and go away and let me make my movie? I'm I'm George Lucas. I made Star Wars. And that's, you know, and that was that. Uh, now I'm just uh, in my mind going back to the skit that Colin Mockery did, where he's just poorly as George Lucas, just giving bullshit answers to an interview. Yeah. <laughs> because um, I have a feeling that's closer to the truth than what we'd actually get from Lucas. Probably. Um. All right, let's let's try and get back in the vein of what we were discussing. Also making I mean, me think, hmm, maybe Podracer would be good on the Raspberry Pi. Because I, th- I actually did have it. Let's see, 64. Actually, I didn't have a PlayStation 1 release. It over- we released on the PlayStation 4. Hmm, odd. I know that there was good. a sequel on the PlayStation 1. I remember there being a Podracing sequel on PlayStation 2. Which was good. It wasn't as good as the N64 version. Or, or maybe that is what I'm thinking. Uh, uh, PlayStation 2. Because it, it lost some of the charm. Well, the well, they, well they went had. over the top with the design. Because all the designs on the first Pod Racing game, uh, the track designs were somewhat simple. Because the, the racers are going stupid fast. And uh, they can't exactly turn very quickly. So you can't go too crazy with the designs, but on the sequel, from what I recall, uh, they tried to bump it up a notch and they also tried to uh, make it more strategic on the track designs, uh, you know, having different paths and that sort of thing. And it just didn't work all that well, at least if memory serves correctly, because I do remember renting the second pod racing game uh, for PlayStation 2 and just being sorely disappointed by it yeah i uh i remember liking it but definitely liking the n64 one better but i mean it's been forever since i played it so i i could be you know misremembering yeah it looks like it was on playstation 2 and i uh, and i was uh combining like playstation 1 and playstation 2 boy we got off on a tangent huh indeed we did let's um but to be fair move- is there really a lot of talk about it the adventures uh, they had a stupid model. They did stupid things. They made the characters look like they're the uh, SNL counterparts. Just dumb uh, things all around. Indeed. So yeah, let's move on to our other news topic tonight, which is uh, Kerbal Space Program 2 has been pushed back to 2022. You know, if they could have pushed it back to 2222, that would have been great <laughs> from uh, just like a numbers on on a page standpoint, like the way that it would look, but... We would all be dead. None of us would get to play it. I, hey, at this rate, maybe we'll be dead by 2022 uh, at this rate. That's very true. It's very true. So this was brought up for one on our Discord by, I believe it was Jim. Uh, just double checking that. Da, da, da. Scroll, 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 scroll. Yeah, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of political bullshit on our <laughs> Discord right now. Uh, rightfully so. Uh, so thank you, Jim, for this. Uh, but... Yeah, it's just, I have mixed feelings on this. 
Because, one, I don't want them to rush it out, of course. Because, you know, we've seen far too many games pushed out way, 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 way before they're done. See Anthem. See Evolve. Uh, yes, I bring our whipping boy back. It's been years. Hey, it's probably the only time it ever gets mentioned these days. Probably. Uh, but see just countless games. But at the same time, didn't they gut their development team when they brought it in-house? So they're basically starting from scratch. So this isn't exactly a surprise either. I don't know if they're starting from scratch, but yeah, I remember earlier this year, or maybe late last year, I, f- I think it was in pre-COVID times, which, you know, is a nebulous period of time at this point, but um, it had gone through some, uh, like, developer transition buyout stuff and, like, some contract-related disputes, and progress had halted for a while. Uh, but I, I don't know if they're, like, starting over. November of last year, so a year ago. Mm, yeah, feels like a lifetime. And, uh, yeah, I remember talking about this. Uh, pretty much uh, they had uh, the project pulled out from under them as they were, were brought in-house. Or, sorry, I, no, wait, that's the wrong one. Duh, duh, duh. Uh, it was June, so uh, it still feels like a lifetime ago, but it was not pre-COVID times. Uh, the developer had uh, essentially the contract pulled out from under them and just... Uh, they were given offers, uh, individual developers to join the, uh, the publisher, and right, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, here it is that I'm just waiting for it to load. Uh, game deve- uh, game publisher cancels contract with developer, then tries to poach its entire team. I mean, right? Yeah. So the fact that well, one take two does this right, uh, but also. Uh, the fact that they have to cancel or cancel their uh, release and push it back essentially a year and a half to two years because uh, they already pushed it back to fall of next year, but now they're moving it again to sometime the following year. So they moved it back over a year and now they're moving it back at least another few months, if not a better part of another year. That tells me, one, that they they didn't poach enough of their team. Two, that they're being overly ambitious because th- they listed some features that, while damn impressive, are going to be tough to pull off. Interstellar uh, travel, for one. Uh, base building. Base building was not ever in the base game of Kerbal. It could be modded in, but it was always finicky at best. Yeah. So, they're trying to incorporate a lot of stuff in this game. A lot of impressive stuff if they get it to work right. However, you know, well, like uh, the tweet says, space is hard. <laughs> this Indeed, space is hard. <laughs> uh, this is a very tough game to develop. There's not many like it to be able to pull ideas from. Uh, it doesn't surprise me, like I said, just with how they've uh, been uh, doing things. So, uh, I'm kind of in a Still cautiously optimistic, but I'm uh, pushing a lot more to wait and see what happens. Which really saddens me, because I absolutely loved Kerbal uh, 1. I mean, I spent a lot of time with that game. Yeah, hundreds of hours for both of us, and more for you. I'm pretty sure you played the played KSB 1 more than I did. Yeah, well, I also uh, played uh, uh, a copied version of my Steam version, uh, because I quarantined... Uh, 
you know, before COVID's quarantining uh, meant something a little bit different. I quarantined my uh, uh, game f- uh, files away from Steam because it didn't actually have DRM on it. So I copied and pasted everything and I modded that version uh, to essentially the breaking point. And then, yeah, added a couple more just because. Yeah. I hope, I don't believe this because take two, um, but I hope that part of pushing it back an, an additional several months to year, depending on this, you know, because it was pushed back to 2021. And uh, now it, it was back pushed to back to fall so. 2021. I wanted, that's why I was saying a few months to a year. Right. So, I mean, I, I want this additional pushback um, to alleviate pressure and stress off of the devs and minimize or eliminate crunch. But oh, that's I, mean, cute. I, I have no. F- yeah, I know. <laughs> I have no faith that that's actually going to happen, but I want it to. I mean, come on. Even the devs that come out and say that we, we don't uh, are not going to uh, give our employees crunch time and uh, force them to work are being absolute dicks to them. Yeah. Pretty much if you want to avoid feeling like a horrible person and uh, contributing to the mental degradation of a developer somewhere, you pretty much have to go you know, small indie teams at this point. And even then, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that's self-imposed crunch, so it's somewhat better, I guess. It's the whole, the whole idea of like a, a passion project and pouring themselves into their passion project. See, Dwarf and Fortress. Can be- yeah, that can be a good thing, um, you know, from a psychological standpoint. Like, if you really enjoy it and you're really, you really enjoy spending the time, you feel productive, you feel like it's boosting your mood, then that's great. But if you're someone who winds up beholden to the sort of the, you know, any type of perfectionism or you're overly self-critical, then it can just be a, a horrible sort of death spiral that you go down. Because you spend time on it, and you're like, yeah, I'm making progress, and oh my god, this is terrible, this looks bad, I gotta fix it. And then you spend more time trying to fix that thing, and you're like, oh, but this thing's broken now, or, you know, it always was broken, but now it needs to be fixed. Then you can spend all of your time sort of feeling like you're chasing a pipe dream. Uh, This seems like the development cycle of Terraria. (laughs) Yeah. Because Terraria's had like uh, three or four final updates at this point. Yeah. It can it can go either way on sort of that small oh goodness there's a god oh the small one or two person you know sort of dev teams like it could go either way but at least it does have a chance of being positive instead of being dragged into the coding mines every day for eighteen hours mm-hmm. not being paid for it unionize uh, well unfortunately you know that doesn't seem to be happening because That's, yeah oh. That's what really kind of irks me with the AAA gaming industry, and this could be its own little subtopic at some point, is just how much it just eats up and uh, chews up uh, people's dreams and ambitions. And you get a bunch of bright-faced kids that loved gaming growing up and want to be a game developer, want to you know, be an ex-Kojima or Sid Meier or whatever, and they can't be that because you, know, you come in on the entry-level programmer or tester or wherever and you're just chewed up by the corporate culture assuming of course they're you know they don't just immediately go to the indie scene and you know use it as a side project that they do in their spare time while they're doing their nine to five of course right of course but yeah it's just i think gaming especially the corporate culture of it needs to have some sort of change very soon otherwise 
we're just going to see a brain drain towards, uh, yeah, uh, well, away from the AAA space. Yeah, there's going to be enough kids that wise up to it. I mean, there's always going to be people that are going to be, you know, I can handle it. They're weak. I, I can do this. But not enough. There's just yeah. too many horror stories out there. I agree. I agree. Um, all right. I don't, I don't know if there's any more to, to cover on this specific topic. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Kerbal Space, Space Program is our, our patron saint. So. I mean, it's where we got started. Happens, yeah. So anything that happens, we'll come back to it, I'm sure. But for now, uh, I think we're, we're good. Um, we had. Yeah. See you in a couple that, of years. Yeah. Other than that uh, article, which was given to us by Jim, again, on our Discord, um, we didn't have anything else for Community Corner type stuff. But, Rage, where can people uh, contact us or come find us? Oh, well, you, you can find us uh, on uh, our Twitter, VGL Podcast. Uh, there, you can email us, VGL Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can find the link to the Discord over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. Indeed. And also a warm, hearty welcome to our newest listeners and, and Discord yeah. member. Yeah. I, you know, We're sorry. I, I know that you're out there. I'm not sorry. I know that you're out there. Well, you have I know no that shame. you listen. I That's true. I have no shame. But I know that you're listening. You told me, you have told me that you do. So spread the word, my, my friends. Yes, yeah, spread, spread the word. Come and get your love. Well, there goes all our listeners. Yeah, that's fine. So, doobly-doo? Yeah, let's doobly-doo for a discovery. So, I've got an interesting one. But I assume you do. uh, Right away, because of course I do. Teardown! This is a pixel, uh, or voxel heist game with uh, full level destruction. So, think of it as sort of like, uh, uh, shoot, now I'm blanking on the big heist game. Uh, payday. Um, uh, uh, payday. Yeah. Th- take Payday mixed with a bit of Minecraft only with a higher resolution on it. And you go absolutely berserk and, you know, just tunnel into the bank instead of, you know, doing it the, you know, the way that the game, you know, sets out. Now, it is early access. There's not a huge player base. It released last month on the 29th. It doesn't actually it says it's single player so i'm not sure if they plan a multiplayer which is a little weird i'm just double checking and it doesn't actually say a lot of, uh, for multiplayer but voxel destruction physics and uh rendering and proprietary engine with endless possibilities so a single player focused heist game which is interesting uh uh, it contains the first part of the storyline and a sandbox mode for each environment. Uh, it's enough to get a good picture of the teardown experience, but it's no means to finish game. Uh, and they plan to keep the same $20 price tag. So it's not a bad price for it. I'm a little concerned about you know, what it's going to be overall because you know, a single player heist game is kind of odd. huh? Yeah. This is usually fo- more focused on multiplayer. But overall, I mean, it looks rather impressive, and the trailer looks fun. But, you know, just, it's early access, so that is, you know, kind of, you know, where are we going to have later on, right? Yeah. Um. So I got one. I, I actually got that 
Teardown is my first game, and I, you know, obviously went past it since you got it. Um, I got Kingdoms Reborn. Oh, that was this my second game. <laughs> Go for it. Nice. This is very interesting looking. Um, it's a, a city builder that, I mean, can be played single player, but it's saying it's got to focus on multiplayer, but there's no military. So if you're going to compete with your, with people instead of cooperating with them, you have to do so via trade and influence um, and things like that, which I love the idea of that. I think too oftentimes these games focus on military stuff, and I think it's more challenging to, you know, sort of win and and overcome these challenges without being able to use an army to steamroll your opponent because they decided to focus on science and technology er, and, and economics. Um, so. But I, it, it looks like it's sort of got a maybe a multiplayer focus, but it is single player. It reminds me the most because it, it says like it's inspired by uh, Banished and Anno and Civilization, but it feels the most like Anno um, based on sort of looking at the screenshots and, and watching the trailer. Also, but it, it, it reminds me a bit neat. of the old Settlers games before they started yeah. focusing a lot more on the military. Uh, but definitely, I definitely see that Banished vibe to it as well. Looks very yeah, interesting. Good. That is going to be one to watch. I agree. It looks like it starts in sort of the ancient era. Um, it looks like it only goes up through sort of middle middle ages or maybe Renaissance area or era stuff. Hard to tell for sure, but mm-hmm. um, it's in early access. It's undergoing, you know, obviously active development. What's so. also really interesting is that, uh, at least from the screenshots, it looks like you're able to pick uh, different areas to start in. Yeah. I feel I, I hope that this is good because this would be I think a fun one for you and I to play because we like to focus on being cooperative and so having like two sort of civilizations in distinct areas and like working to build them mm-hmm. up together sounds like a really good way to spend a Sunday uh, night to me. Yeah, I mean honestly, our uh, Crusader Kings we have a kind of a, a pact to not directly attack one another and not to be dicks to one another. So yeah. I'm off, yo. Know, uh, taking over Ireland, or took over Ireland at this point, and you're off uh, losing your country again. Losing my country again. <laughs> I'm still in it, though. I'm still in it. I, I mean, I lost Portugal, and it reverted back to uh, whatever it was before. I don't know, but I, I, I did good on a crusade, and so I got bunches of stuff on the crusade. Uh, so, my next game is Door Kickers 2 Task Force North. I actually really enjoyed the first uh, Door Kickers. It's a 2D tactical shooter. Think of it as sort of like uh, the old Tom Clancy uh, games, the old Tom Clancy Rainbow Six games, where mm-hmm. you are controlling a squad of, uh, 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 well, SWAT members, and you're drawing their paths and uh, telling them how to handle things. And this is that game only uh, a, a lot more in depth than what you would think. Uh, I think the first door kickers it actually had some procedural generation on it as well, so uh, levels were never exactly the same. Uh, see, uh, 100 handcrafted single missions. Uh, uh, this is for the full version, which could be played with two to four player co-op multiplayer. 20 missions handcrafted specifically for co-op play. I believe there was a multi uh, or a, a, a procedural generation system for uh, like quick pickup games as well, and that's where I'm thinking of. But yeah, I mean, very happy to see another Door Kickers game because you just don't see a ton of these 2D tactical games, 
and Dorkiggers also had a it was real time with calls, so it wasn't about you know, twitch reaction. It was uh, all down to your strategic movements. So, Frozen uh, Synapse actually did it really well. It's a shame that it uh, focused so much on its multiplayer that just never really took off all that much. Yeah. But, yeah. Very excited to see where this one goes. Yeah. Um, so, I got uh, The Walking Dead Telltale Definitive Series. So, this is all of the Telltale Walking Dead games wrapped into one. Um, so four seasons of sort of the main Telltale Walking Dead series. Um, the 400 Days sort of mini story. And then The Walking Dead Michonne, which was also another mini story that focused on that one particular character. Um, oh yeah, that one. I mean, we've we've gone over the, uh, the Telltale saga as they, you know, sort of shut down you know, overnight, essentially, and yeah, they basically all of that ran everything like it was going to be The Walking Dead. And it was, the Walking Dead was their one big takeaway hit that just they were never able to catch that again. It was the lightning in the bottle, yeah, which is a but shame so, because yeah, you know, Telltale could have done so much more if they you know, didn't focus solely on their uh, you know, other license or you know, licensed shit. Yeah, but so Skybound Games was the company that wound up with with this. Um, and it looks like they've, you know, collated it all together and are selling it. So if you've always wanted to play the Telltale Walking Dead series, but never have because you don't like episodic gaming or, you know, you never, I don't know, whatever your reason might be right now, it's 50 bucks and you can get all of these, you know, the complete package, essentially. I am sure it will probably go on sale somewhere at some point, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, that's Um, a bit steep for a re-release like that, in my opinion. I know, it's four seasons, but at the same time, right? It's it's also horrendously expensive if you own part of it, and it's like, you know, it's like, well, I want to complete my collection, um... But if you already own two or even three of the seasons, that's stupid expensive. But, you know, it, it'll go on sale. Looks like it's been on sale on the Epic Store, apparently. Uh, yeah. Looks like it was 25 yeah, it was, bucks yeah, on the Epic Store. Yeah, it's just point. now coming to Steam, by the way. It's been on the Epic Store for a while, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, that means probably at the winter sale, it'll be 25 bucks, and, you know, maybe even cheaper in the future. So, but I mean, 25 bucks honestly feels about right for me. I like to pay somewhere in the neighborhood of, of five-ish dollars for a uh, a series like this, because um, you get usually four or five hours out of out of them um, on a, a single playthrough, which to me feel you know that's a, a couple of movie rentals. So five you know five to ten dollars feels right to me. And I suppose at $50, you're paying about $10 a, a series, or $10 a season. So, maybe that's not as outrageous as I was initially thinking, but it is a little crazy if you're trying to complete a collection. But if you don't have any of them, you know, not a not a bad way to go about it. But 25 bucks definitely feels more like the sweet spot for what this is. Okay, well, you done with that one? Yeah. Okay, well, I got Spells Force 3 Fallen God. So, this is the latest in the Spell Force series. I believe. I mean, there's a lot of Spell Force games uh, and DLCs and that sort of thing. So, this is obviously the third in the main series. Uh, in a side, or 
in the second expansion or standalone. It's actually tough to tell. There's Spellforce 3, then there's uh, Soul Harvest, uh, and uh, now Falling God. So this is a RTS RPG with some uh, base building in it as well. I mean, it it feels a lot like uh, essentially Heroes of Might and Magic-esque. It is very impressive looking, though. I have uh, one of the earlier ones. I'm not sure if I picked that up in review or that was in a bundle somewhere because, yeah, we get a lot of bundles, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this is a very long series. There's uh, quite a fair amount of positive reviews. Only 186, but released last week. So, still pretty new. I mean, there's not a lot of RTS out there. So, you know, especially RTS uh, RPG with a... Seems like a pretty strong uh, uh, single-player story as well. So there you go, right? Indeed. I believe... Hang on. Spellforce... Yeah, that's what I thought. I was going to say, there's a, a an, another game that this feels exactly like it, and it, it, it's Spellforce 2. <laughs> so, never mind. Yeah. In the series. Spellforce 2 is great, so... I've, I've played Spellforce 2. It was one of the first games I ever reviewed when I was uh, doing game reviews back in 20, the early the early 2010s. So, good game. Um, Alright, I got one. That, this is an interesting looking one. Um, due process? It took me a minute to really, like, figure out what was going on here. So this is a, a tactical, team-based yeah, uh, first person. I've seen this pop up. I'm not sure if this was on Discovery Q or what. Yeah, but like a tactical team-based first-person shooter um, that's using uh, weekly, like, uh, procedurally generated maps. And there's like a planning phase where your team gets to discuss the plan to either assault an objective or defend the objective. And there's a, a, you know, a a top-down map where you can draw on and put symbols and sort of, you know, discuss discuss your plan. And then when you actually drop into first-person mode to try to execute the plan, you can see everything that you've mapped out on the ground. And so sort of your waypoints to follow and, you know, bomb here or, or whatever. Um, it looks really neat. And I feel like this would be great as either an eSport to watch or if you've got a dedicated group of friends to play it with, I can imagine this being a nightmare and, to try to queue up it, solo. And the fact it's PvP, right? It's, yeah. it's essentially Rainbow Six Siege, only with procedural generation, so people don't know life and learn every aspect of the maps. Because you can't. Yeah. yeah. I, I think this would be great if it was some type of PvE game. Or if... Um... Yep, no, actually if it was a PvP or PvE game. Because this seems like a nightmare to play PvP unless you're Essentially, have a dedicated uh, group of friends to play with. Uh, SWAT four. Yeah, because I mean, playing with randoms on any game is a fucking nightmare ninety nine percent of the time, and I just don't want to subject myself to that bullshit. Well, also there's the problem. Um, I'm seeing today's peak of players three hundred eighty two. Oh, that's not good. It is early access though, but it's also a twenty five dollar early access. That's a bit steep to buy it in, to buy into. Especially a multiplayer team-based game. So this is what five v five. Uh, I can't tell if it's four v four or five v five. It looks like five v five based on this. Uh, uh at least uh, based on some of the art. But if that is, I mean, without some sort of like deal for you know a three or four pack, 
you're looking at you know, 120 some dollars uh, for if you have five friends. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a lot of a commitment. Especially since uh, we talked about Rainbow Six Siege and it is on sale, or sorry, it's sailing uh, five bucks cheaper. And it actually has a free version, doesn't it? Uh, it's either free or it's like a really cheap buy-in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for this type of game, unless the procedural generation is just your thing, Rainbow Six Siege might, you know, do it already. And it has, you know, 40,000 people playing just right now on Steam. Never mind the fact that it's a Uplay title, so that's not even uh, uh, all the players for it. Or Ubisoft game, Uplay, right? So, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's just, it's a shame because, you know, it's getting crushed by a game that's, uh, does this genre just, you know, it has a lot more marketing for it. I mean, maybe it'll be able to hold on, but, you know, this type of game just eh, right yeah so i got the dark pictures anthology little hope a survival horror ooky spooky game yo just in time to be right after uh halloween right <laughs> indeed so Day late a dollar short yeah so published uh or sorry developed by super massive games and uh um, published by banco namco or sorry bandai namco so it it it's disturbing looking. It, I, I don't know much of the story. There are some people that are saying that the ending is rushed. Uh, and it feels very telltale story-like. Where there's a lot of quick time events. So if you're itching for the old telltale style of game. Uh, this is for you. But some people are saying that uh, the second half of game was just rushed. And the ending sucks. But yeah. I don't want to read into that because you know spoilers right yeah and it does look like it is pretty short average gameplay five hours so yeah that does put it a pretty hard pill to swallow at 30 bucks pretty but or i shouldn't say pretty but impressive looking because there's some oof right yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about one but it's a porn game so i'm not Uh, gonna put it of course you got a porn game Actually, I got three porn games, and two of them were, like, horrible bullshit, and then this one is like, hmm, yes, I'm, uh, yes, please, I'm into this. So I'll, I'll give you three guesses to figure out what this is based on, but I bet you'll only need one. The title of it is Friendship with Benefits. Oh, boy. It's uh, My Little Pony I was going to say, oh, no, right. Yep, it's it's not, like, directly doing My Little Pony. There are certainly enough differences that it could get away with with saying, like, no, we're not My Little Pony. But they're essentially anthropomorphic ponies with, like, human forms that, to transform into. But, I mean, it's it's a porn game. Um, it's apparently got some open-world elements and dating sim stuff, at visual novel stuff. But, I mean, it's, like, it, right there. There's, like, four... Or three or four images that you can look at, screenshots that are, you know, the breasts are exposed for your pleasure and more. So, but it, it actually looks good. So if you're someone who likes these types of games, maybe this one will be right up your alley. Um, but obviously, for many reasons, we don't put links to porn games in the show notes. So, uh, yeah, Friendship with Benefits. The, the one that I did put in the show notes, Blood of Steel. 
Um, this is a MMO free to play, like medieval battle game strategy. It's it's Crush crazy. It's yeah. It, this is a, a crazy looking both in terms of like the scope that the game is at least trying to sell itself on, and the way that it looks like it's pulling it off. Um, battle game, and I'm drawing a blank, like a huge blank Dynasty on the Warriors? game series. Yes, thank you. Jeez. Dynasty Warriors. This feels like Dynasty Warriors. Um, multiplayer Dynasty Warriors. And I am all about that. It's got like Asian armies and Roman armies and I uh, see some medieval more stuff power, here. Uh, power Rock in order to be Dynasty Warriors though. <laughs> Fair. But uh, uh, yeah. And, and probably a lot more suck with modern Dynasty Warriors. Probably. But it, it looks real good. And it's free to play so I might be checking this one out soon. You can buy... What is this? Blood of Richard one? Uh, is this just like a, a character DLC thing? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, yeah. Free to play, so you can check it out. I'm going to check it out. So I got an interesting looking game. I'm not sure if this is going to be any good, because I admit that it looks rough. But that doesn't really mean anything, because it's a tycoon game. Or tycoon style game. It's Car Trader Simulator. It's an early access title. Uh, and you're tasked with building a car dealership and building it up and haven't really seen anything quite like it so it could definitely be uh, worthwhile especially if they get the uh, uh, business simulator down well because honestly a business sim doesn't need to be pretty to be perfectly honest yeah and just look at their other games they do have quite a few titles out there some of them are a bit eh. uh, they do have a lot of simulator games out there I'm just looking here at looking at their other titles oh this oh this is the company that did car mechanic simulator I was, I was about to say they look familiar but I couldn't put my finger on it so yeah I mean that's uh, a lot better predigree than a lot of these titles have huh yeah but they have a lot of simulators coming out they have drunk Santa simulator <laughs> okay sure why uh, not I have bakery simulator which is probably up more up my alley but still yeah uh, let's see car trader simulator which actually has a free demo on it Chernobyl liquidator simulator fat x courier simulator you're a fat FedEx driver yes but, th- but this is the same uh, company that did uh, uh, like I said uh, car mechanic simulator uh uh, they did do, 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 train station renovation, which actually has some pretty decent reviews on it. So, you know, there is a pedigree there. Strange as it may seem, right? Yeah. Boy, that feels really weird that a, a company that's putting out Drunk Santa Simulator actually has a chance of it making it uh, be a decent game. They're doing a game based around, looks like Iron Chef or, you know, these random competition uh, cooking games. That is actually really intriguing. Basically, you're on a random cooking competition show and you're the chef having to do uh, your thing. That is actually really intriguing. But I digress. Indeed. So I got another one of these types of simulator games. It's called Tin Can. This looks great. So you're on a spaceship and you it, it it's blowing up and you escape in the escape pod and the pod is damaged and you have to repair the escape pod and keep it running until you're rescued 
and it looks like they're doing some pretty hardcore simulation stuff, looking at the screenshots and watching the trailer of various com- complex like electrical issues and dealing with like radiation and oxygen levels and you know if you get injured or you know if, if there's too much carbon monoxide buildup or whatever like it's looking like that they're saying that it's going to simulate having like medical symptoms um very in-depth stuff like on this pod looks very cool i'm into this um early access uh, it's only 15 bucks we'll see how where it goes but so now the question did- is uh do you have to do a deal with david bowie <laughs> Yeah, after I saw the title Tin Can, or Tin Tin Can, that's been playing in my head. So, but yeah, I'm all about it. This looks very cool. Okay, well, I got another one. I had to go through a few because I ended up with a couple that you had, and I think uh, Due Process was on my queue a couple weeks ago when I set it up, but we didn't do Discovery Queue that week. That's why it looked familiar. Uh, Dirt 5. So, Codemasters is back again with more of the Dirt series. It has some pretty nasty reviews on it, though. No wheel support. I mean, damn. Right? How do you do a racing ga- a modern racing game without any wheel support? Um, oh, like that. Oh, yeah. Codemasters. Uh, looks like uh, they are, uh, it's uh, more Simcade. Uh, so, definitely, uh, uh, if you were a fan of the Dirt Rally series, you're not going to have fun here. I mean, I mean, just look at the screenshots. There's a loop-de-loop. There's uh, some rather flashy uh, stuff going on. You're, you see a stunt area with flaming hoops. This is not going to be a serious racing game. Uh, but it does look like it, 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 it does feel like it's somewhat in the sort of the, uh, dirt area, you know, uh, of the main series, I should say, not the dirt rally series does suck, suck that there's no wheel support according to this. Uh, the, uh, okay. Whoa. Wow. Okay. Dirt five is a cartoon and ultimately not an interesting one. The cars are hot wheels esque takes on standard, uh, decisions of, uh, the dirt garage uh, even for an arcade racer, the four-wheeled uh, options are, are presented with a lack of sense of substance. It's a tad like escorting a, a, an air hockey puck around the curves. Wow. I mean, damn, right? Yeah. So. And thank yeah. you, Jim, for making me worry more about the COVID. Did Jim post something in Discord just now? Yeah. Ah. Well, look at it this way. As long as you stay healthy you have uh, job security <laughs> yeah also i've already got clinical depression so fuck you covid i'll be all right on that front but yeah uh, i mean if you're looking for a serious racing game dirt five is probably not it if you're looking for a more just arcadey racing fun times as long as you don't want to go with a wheel there you go right yeah so i got uh a game called Galactic Ruler, which is a 4X stra- you know, space strategy game. But the thing that, that I feel like sets this apart, and maybe there's other games that have done this before to this degree, but they're really pushing the ability for you to go down onto the planets and both manage them, like building individual, it looks like cities and things uh, on a planetary scale, as opposed to just like on the menu of the solar system being like, I want to build a factory on this planet. Or even in like the uh, galactic civilizations thing of like having 
the planetary tiles where you build stuff on the planet, but you don't actually go into it. But I mean, you can see on the screenshots that they're like scrolling around on the planet, like building cities and stuff. So that's interesting. And that level of complexity could be great or it could be horribly mishandled and just be tedious. It could go either way. But um, looks like it's been released for one day and only has six user reviews. Oh, there's you. Um, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to follow this one because this is my kind of thing. Okay, well, I had to skip a couple because I had repeats and had a, had, I got a porn game. Actually, a decent looking porn game, but still a porn game, so. But, yeah, this is actually my last one on the queue, and I would have skipped it if it wasn't for your son. Okay. Tram Sim, you later. Or Tram Sim. Where you experience driving a tram. <laughs> right? So another nice. train game. Only this time, it's a tram. So that is the little skinny train in the middle of the street. Yep. My kid likes those. Well, I figured, you know, gotta do that one for King, right? Because I, I know he likes his train games. And uh, trains are tra- uh, trams are trains. So it works, right? Indeed. Looks like it's, this right looks like it's rated mostly popular. It's not in early access, but it's also 35 bucks. Yeah. So one to put on the back burner and wait for a sale? For sure. For sure. It, it, there's just something about the assets. It feels like it's uh, uh, almost an asset flip with some of the uh, uh, people models because they uh, they look like they don't belong. You know what I mean? They, they seem too high fidelity for the world. Right. Yeah, I, I could I could see that. I could buy that. And also, the way that some of them are setting. I mean, it's pretty much the same setting model, or the same setting animation. I mean, that woman has some real manspread going on, right? <laughs> yeah, she does. Right, look at uh, him in the foreground, and then her in the background, and it's the same exact position, and see the woman behind. Least, I think that's a woman. I mean, there are tits. Uh <laughs> Uh, s- sitting behind her, exactly the same hand position. So yeah. definitely could have yeah, used a little bit of uh, alternate uh, uh, poses. And maybe, it just call me crazy, but I can't tell if his hand is clipping into the ticket counter or not uh, in the foreground. It's just a, a, a very, very odd position of his hand. And all of them are doing it. But I'd have to admit, he has fantastic nails. <laughs> Nice. Um, cool. I, I know I'm shitting on it, but uh, it does have some pretty pop, uh, positive reviews. Uh, but it does look like it doesn't really have a lot of content in it. So definitely went on sale if you need to appease a child. Yeah. So I this is my last one, my last game. And it's odd. Uh, Chicken Police... Paint it red. Okay, so is it uh, policey chicken or chicken that are police? Chickens that are police. A wild tale of love, death, chickens, and redemption. Chicken Police is a buddy cop noir adventure with a carefully crafted world, gritty story, and lots of absurd humor. The game mixes elements of classic adventure games with visual novel-style storytelling. And it's like all of the characters are anthropomorphic animals. And, like, I guess the two main characters are, are chicken cops, but there's, like, a goat man and a cat lady that I guess is supposed to be, like, the femme fatale. And that might be a human, 
that died, but it also might be the cat, because the cat is the closest to a human. I don't know. I'm very intrigued. Holy shit, it's got a demo. I mean, I'm definitely gonna check that out. Oh boy. I'm very intrigued by this, though. I, I don't know what to think. It looks very weird, but I'm never one to shy away from weird things. It's 16 bucks if you want to buy it, but it's got a demo. So I'm going to queue up the demo to download to try later. Chicken police. Bark, bark. Right? Yep. But yeah, that's my queue. <laughs> I really want to see Tin Can uh, in further development. Yeah. Sorry, I was just sitting here looking at it some more. And it looks like they're planning not too long of a development time. Sorry, I can't look away from the cat lady with her green eyes. Just staring into my soul in the screenshot. Oh, sure, you're looking at her eyes. Well, I mean, the breasts are not exposed for my pleasure, so... Otherwise, I'd be oh, looking at those. Oh, it's just one set of tits? Not very cat-like. <laughs> oh my god, is this a, a naked portrait of a cat? I th yeah, I think it is. It's hard to tell. Uh, you're making me go look, aren't you? Is that a meerkat hooker? Oh my god. I'm not even joking. Like, I think that that's a meerkat in the background. Staring, like, very sultry-like at the camera. And then there's uh, a did, dog lady. I didn't lady. look at this earlier. And, uh, this is... I, I expected drawings, not, like, photoshopped uh, chicken heads on uh, human bodies. It's very strange. And that's a fly man playing a double-neck guitar. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder, I wonder if his name is Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> oh. You're welcome. That would be great. I just, I don't know what to, oh my, it's another bird man? Everybody's whispering about the chicken police being back together again, and you've already turned the whole city upside down. That's Timothy, the bird man. Piggy diggy, do you feel, alright, alright. Uh -oh. I might buy this game, even if it turns out to be total horse shit, just because. Look at that goat man. No, what's weird is going to the screenshots, there is a naked lizard lady, uh, a portrait of one. Where's the naked lizard lady? Is that the one that I thought was the naked cat person? No, this is different. I, I had to go, I went to look at the screenshots and went to the most popular and scrolled down a bit. And there, it, it's tasteful, but, you know, it's also weird. I'm, I'm going. Where's the naked lizard lady? Most popular. Oh my, well that's not the lizard lady, but that's a tiger lady. Well, there's a poodle, a, a deer, a, a and, a, girl. A, and either a lizard or a snake. I can't tell which. Oh, now there's some cleavage on that cat lady. Naked cat lady. I mean, I I, I, uh, I have to buy this game now. Uh, hang on. Even if it's terrible, I have to buy it. There you go. Enjoy. I never signed, signed out of Steam, so. Oh my goodness. You thought I was joking, didn't you? I think that's a snake. Lizard, snake, whatever. It's a snursin, a snake person. There's a deer and a dog. I'm going to go watch some weird porn after we're done here tonight, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> You're uh, welcome. I, I have a feeling this game is weird porn. Because at one point, there, well, there's a murder scene. and It's just, what the hell? What drugs were involved in this? All of them. All of the drugs. Oh my god, it's another tiger lady painting her portrait nope there's a, a dead body a naked dead body with whore written on it and yeah blood. that's the murder scene i was referring to there you go enjoy what is this that you just sent me oh yeah i saw that i think it's more what the fuck than the titillation really 
Uh, this person is called Foxy Lady, and it's a, a fox that's a lady. Little on the nose there, but I can dig it. This is this is amazing. This is incredible. Uh, the, fo- the following animal species were not included in this game, mostly because during the development of this game, 2018 to 2020, all these species have been declared extinct. According to the lowest possible scientific estimates, between 200 and 2,000 extinctions occur every year. That's 1,000 times higher than the natural extinction rate. So they're actually... <laughs> right? Wow, right? Indeed. All right, we should we should stop. I, I, I should I, stop. I'm fascinated by just the weirdness of this. This reminds me of uh, that bird lawyer game uh, that's set during, I believe, the French Revolution. Yeah, I remember that game. And I just want to uh, Avery Attorney. It's that's surreal. I just wanted to be able to give the name of it because yeah, I can't tease bird lawyer game and not give the name right. Also, you can you can go find Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Yeah, but that's a Birdman, not a bird lawyer. True. And, and to be fair, he's hardly a lawyer. But damn good cartoon, though. Indeed. All right. Um, that's 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 gonna do it for the cues. We uh, we yeah, have to yeah, stop. Yeah. What the fuck, right? Hey, Rage. Hit him with the socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me tweeting uh, semi-political stuff these days. I. Uh, over on Twitter, GameLessCR, or you'll be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage, and you've been... Gaming Psychologist. You can find me over on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter, at JMA4707, where I have definitely been political shitposting for a week. <laughs> uh, and if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can send a friend request to JArthur4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is... Not very dwarfy. Not very dwarfy. That works. <laughs> yeah. I, unlike our enjoyment of D- uh, Deep Rock Galactic. Disappointed! So, once again, you could contact us, vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming related topics, or just tweet them to us, vglpodcast, on the Twitter. Or find our Discord link over at vglpodcast.podbean.com. Ugh. If you wish to share the love, you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have uh, made this madness absolutely possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash Podcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground, and our Discovery Cube music is doobly-doo, both by Kevin McLeod. Both can be found at computech.com, and both. <laughs> as always, <laughs> as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.